0: Hey everybody you've reached the mayfair podcast i'm eric and this is
1: josh it is tuesday february 22nd 2022 eagle eared listeners will go hey that sounds like zoom (laughs) and it is (laughs) yeah but you
0: lied to us (laughs) you said we'd be back
1: so we won't go into it too much because i haven't looked at the news today and we want to try to stay as chipper as possible but On the heels of one disaster, it seems another disaster just may have happened in downtown Ottawa, Mm -hmm. which on top of the troubles of traveling around our town as is, that popped up, which probably would have got in our way again for getting this done, and then just life kind of got in the way, and then we're just like, ah, let's zoom this again.
0: Yeah, and you didn't even have the movie list, which is, I think that's the first time we've ever run into that being the issue.
1: Yeah, and it was two things that happened. Kind of three that is in our favor. Of one, it was the age old lovely fake holiday of Family Day yesterday, mm-hmm. which meant that as a long weekend, many of the people that we talked to to get movies were not in the office. Then two, it's award season, specifically Oscar season. And three, we live in a world where the multiplexes don't care about Oscar movies. And so Lee was chatting with me about it a couple days ago and he said, we might go to the 11th hour of booking everything. Is that a pain? And I said, no, I can give a heads up to the staff, let them know that schedule might be a bit late and that kind of thing. But what it meant is that we booked a whole bunch of prime Oscar movies that once upon a time we would not have for another six months. If you go back and look at Mayfair schedules from the 80s or 90s, it's a good four to six months later that they're booking the new films. So that's kind of what happened. So we're recording this at 4 30 in the afternoon. We're often re <laughs> we recorded in the morning.
0: Yeah, that means nothing to anyone that isn't us, but trust me, that's pretty late for us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's late. It's bedtime.
0: We did that. I remember one time we did one at six or seven p.m. because we had to because of the movie or whatever and that felt so late and felt like a different universe almost i'm already
1: in the old man universe where i'm really leaning towards going to matinees at the mayfair if there's the option for the same movie as a nine o'clock show or a matinee i'm going to the matinee
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it's going to be like a 1 p.m. show of New York Ninja with just you and me there, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) which I fully support.
1: I always love it when you look at the multiplexes when they have just the craziest of horror movie. I'm trying to think of like a mainstream thing that hit, well, you know, like remakes of The Hills Have Eyes or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they would have a noon show on a Sunday. I guess a couple of nerds appreciate that, but I can't imagine like a family. Hey, let's go out to this this afternoon.
0: Even Malignant must have played at one or three o'clock at multiplexes, I would think.
1: Yeah, or there was, I don't know the name of the cinema, but there was an independent cinema that got taken over by Cineplex in Halifax. And sadly, it's not there anymore. But in its dying years, the powers that be just really threw them to the wolves and gave up on programming. And I remember when I was in Halifax, I think maybe for the first time, the reason we didn't go visit that cinema is they were playing Lincoln four times a day. (laughs) And I was like, you can't do that at a rep house. And so they just played Lincoln. Imagine (laughs) if the Mayfair played Dune three times a day, seven days. We would sell some tickets, but it wouldn't be great for the whole week.
0: Yeah, and it's the original Dune. Lynch's Dune, too, not like the (laughs) new one
1: where you're like, okay, come on.
0: We stand by David Lynch. Yeah, that's like, you know, I love Patrick Stewart, but that's a little too much.
1: It's so funny. So, Dune is one of the movies coming up this week. Hey! And not to jump right into talking about upcoming stuff, but I'm fascinated by who played the character in the David Lynch movie versus this movie?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah.
1: And I'm not an expert on this, but is not what is it? Is it Josh Brolin is Patrick Stewart? Is that right?
0: yeah. I believe so, yeah. That's crazy. And it's also funny because we've had this debate before. all. Well, it's not even a debate. It's just a statement of fact that Patrick Stewart has been old for 40 years, 50 years, whatever it is.
1: I've been a fan of Patrick Stewart since 1987 when he started Star Trek The Next Generation. And I've yet to see a photo of him at the age of 25, <laughs> which I assume he was... I assume at that time he was working on the... On the stage or whatever Mm -hmm. but there's some of these actors where maybe i have seen it and i just blanked it out but like i can't picture a young judy dench or a young ian mckellen they've always just been old and even you know in the 80s patrick stewart is not the age he was now but maybe it's because you're looking at it through the eyes of a dumb kid where they just they always seemed 60.
0: Mm -hmm. well and especially yeah like that's the thing when you're watching star trek i mean jeez like i was five and 87 so like when you're watching that he is like a grandfather to you he's like an older guy and shaved head and wise you know and like really and clever i could keep talking about how great he is but the point is you know you're you're young you're like oh yeah you know you look up to someone like that like a splinter type character and then as you age i mean geez the muppet christmas carol was just five years after that and in that he's literally playing scrooge so it's like i think that is a lot of it just the time period you were at when he was coming up is just completely paints your opinion of what he appears to be.
1: Well, first of all, you get demerits because you've just mixed up Michael Caine and Patrick Stewart.
0: Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> man. And I never swear on the podcast, but that was a merited one because you're totally right. Wait. Oh, my God. That's really that's really troubling. Oof. Patrick Stewart
1: did Christmas Carol as a TV movie,
0: which is, of course, what I was talking about. Yeah but i'm right about the 92 though i get a half point for it being 1992 that that came out right i mean even though it's not the right actor
1: although it's funny because michael kane is my favorite and i have seen him young so that is going against what we're talking about Damn right it.
0: Now. <laughs> yeah but now you're moving the goalposts correctly to prove how wrong i am and i can't support that <laughs> oh jeez.
1: michael kane in get carter or italian job
0: oh yeah of course oh those are good movies But then that makes me think of Edward Norton with a mustache in the Italian Job remake, which was not so good.
1: It's funny because people who we are approximately the same age of, when a kid watches Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when you're a kid, a teenager still seems this weird blur of like a teenager is kind of a grown up. Mm -hmm. And then you know you're a grown up when you start watching teen movies and you think of them as kids. Yeah. And you're like, oh wait, now I'm old.
0: (laughs) And then you hit a point where you're like, All these teenagers are thirty-five years old in this thing, you know, like (laughs) I don't know what that point is when you get there and you're like, hey, wait a minute.
1: So we screened, this is a good little segue, for Family Day, we have this annual tradition where a local realtor named Tracy Arnett is nice enough to rent out the place and give everybody a free popcorn and a drink. And she does that twice a year, once at Christmas, once on Family Day. And What is funny, and I joke about this with her staff, is kids' movies, quote-unquote kids' movies, often have some pretty weird stuff in it. Mm -hmm. And so in the past couple years, she has screened E.T., which is great, but has tons of swearing in it. And Grease, which is filled with all kinds (laughs) of innuendo and weird, very non-kid type songs. Mm -hmm. So this year they screened Back to the Future, which is a masterpiece, but also has a major plot point where a guy goes back in time and his mom tries to sleep with him.
0: Ooh, (laughs) oh god, I didn't even think about that part of it. I know, it's a weird movie.
1: But what was great was it was essentially a packed house. I lost track just a little bit, but we were at about 290 people, I think. Our capacity is 325. This was the first big event As the COVID rules continually evolve and change, this was our first big event of we're back at full capacity, but still checking ID at the door and wearing masks and that kind of stuff. But it's one of those things where, and this is just me talking, where sometimes I feel like I want to wear a hazmat suit for the rest of my life when I go outside now. (laughs) But for me, it felt very comfortable. Everyone was great. But I was like, wow, I guess people don't care about social distance anymore because people were sitting shoulder to shoulder with strangers in a cinema. And everybody was great. Everybody was very thankful at the end. And that's the point we're at now. We're just on the verge of March 1st being, I think, not checking vaccine verification anymore. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me think, is that going to make people more apt to come out or get more scared to come out? And I don't have the answer. I'm not sure.
0: Well, no, we're the wrong people to ask for that because, you know, I think we're both pretty, uh, well, see, here's the thing. I was going to say we're both pretty trepidatious, but also we're both comfortable at home with our wives and animals. So we're not the people to ask about like, yay, we can go out and do things again because we're like, ah, geez, I don't know. All my stuff's here. The most I do
1: is go to the Mayfair. So as long as I can do that.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's hard to, like, I try to put feelers out for normies, I guess, and like how they're feeling and, and like, are they looking forward to going back to the movies or is it? keeping them from there or is it is it a bit of everything because i mean yeah also everything that's gone on in ottawa the last three weeks nobody's rushing out to go to places anyway. there's so much going on that i, I just i do hope i mean it gives you some hope that yes i mean that's a free event that we help put on but that many people coming out i mean that seems like a good sign
1: yeah and on the heels of that free event we had if i'm remembering this correctly approximately 45 for drive my car all right. And then 85 for Flea. Oh, that's good. I might be getting those backwards, but two acclaimed movies did well. And then it was like 40 or something for the James Bond movie we were screening. So huh. none of those are staggering 200 people shows. But it's the ongoing self-deprecating thing about the Mayfair is we rarely got packed houses anyhow. We were going off that 50 person to show kind of thing. So as we seem to be leaning back towards those numbers now, anyhow, it'll be interesting to see what the next few weeks hold, where this sounds very elitist. And I say this (laughs) kind of jokingly, but I'm always like, well, I think all of our patrons kind of got triple vaxxed and have been good about washing their hands and wearing masks and being responsible. And I think the opposite side, if you split people down 50-50 aren't coming to a three-hour art house Japanese film. So (laughs) yeah, that makes me feel more comfortable almost as well. I think we have a responsible customer base that's been proven over these on and off years of being open. But once they tell us we don't got to wear masks anymore, that's going to be the strange thing. Just, again, myself talking, not the business talking of, oh, we don't have to wear masks anymore? I've kind of gotten used to that thing.
0: Well, even now, like we had a plumber come to check our water tank today and it was... I'm in my house and so I'm not really thinking about it. But then I was like, oh, geez, got to put on a mat, you know, like, and it's, and I would, I willingly, you know, I want everyone to be comfortable with everything. But it's just one of those things where you're just like, I'm at home. This is the last thing on my mind. And then you're like, oh, wait, you know, so like, there's still going to be the reverse concern where you are like, okay, is it okay, okay? Or am I okay to not do this now? Or. And what you hope too, and I know the world
1: isn't this easy because people have to work, Mm -hmm. that when you're sick, don't go out and do things as much as possible. I remember that being a thing at school, right? Besides for faking sick to stay home and that sort of thing. But the big thing from a school's point of view was, no, do not get your germ infested kid to go sit in a class and make everyone else sick. I remember that hitting me at one point when I was a kid of being like, oh yeah, that's why they want you to stay home. Not really out of concern for you, but concern for everybody.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's actually, yeah, everything that's gone on, I think has made us question that more, not everyone, at least me, that's something I really take to thought, especially because like at other work, we get emails whenever there's like a potential case or something like that. And it's just every floor, pretty much. It's not like it's like, oh, only those people in that section are not being careful or something like that. It's like everyone, it could be anyone. And so it's just, I really think that's something I, at least I know I was before all this, I was definitely a little more just not something I ever overthought. And now you're sort of like, yeah, yeah, maybe it is something that should like keep more of an eye on and be on buses throughout all this. My God, you know, like it really makes you put things in perspective a little more.
1: Yeah. And I think not all of us, but I think many of us, this is the rest of our lives now and we're going to wash our hands more or not shake someone's hand or be more conscious of touching your face after sitting in a chair or going on a bus that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so that will help just that domino effect might make a handful of more people not get sick during a day or a month in a city
0: Yeah, and I mean, that is already a win, obviously, but I guess we've got higher ambitions at this point, I
1: guess. And it's almost like going on an airplane now versus going on an airplane a couple generations ago is a very different thing. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to just get on a plane like getting on a bus, and you can't do that now. And I'm very curious, that same thing. I don't think the hand sanitizer availability is going to go away. I think that is going to be in airports and hockey stadiums and museums and maybe almost like some places you hear stories of people who live or are visiting. I know I have a few friends who did the old teach English in a foreign country mm-hmm. and they would tell stories. They're just like, yeah, masks were everywhere or not everywhere, but oh yeah, you would be on a subway or you'd be at a movie theater and you'd see a couple people in masks and it would just be because they we're recently sick or we're concerned mm-hmm. about being sick. And so I think that might stick around too in the years to come, possibly.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine's doing that in Korea for, geez, like at least 15 years now. Got a, like a YouTube channel with all his adventures and whatever. But yeah, like that's definitely something that I had noticed with that. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, before all this happened years ago, I remember seeing some people wearing masks for that exact reason. And I just remember thinking like, oh, come on. It's so overkill. What are you even doing? And I just feel like such a self-serving jerk forever, thinking that and i mean i suppose so many of us have that you know you just do need an eye-opening experience like this to be able to like oh wow that actually was super unselfish and very cool of that person and i'm kind of a jerk for ever thinking that
1: my friend al who was the first person i knew to carry around hand sanitizer years ago 20 years ago And again, as you just mentioned, because I am a jerk, (laughs) would make fun of him. (laughs) But it was all in jest. You know, we have that kind of relationship. Sure. But there was one time we were in New York City and he would not touch anything on the subway or he would not touch the railing walking up from the lower subway decks back out into the sunshine and because i'm a jerk i would be grabbing the railing and going like oh
0: god huh (laughs) huh (laughs) 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 yeah look
1: at me oh man so when this all went down god you know a million years ago the first thing i did when we were all hiding at home and everything was i texted him and i just said with no lead-in with no specification of what this comment meant i just said so how are you (laughs) and he was like. Well, all my nightmares have come true, but besides for that, I'm okay. And then I continued to kind of jokingly apologize and be like, well, you were uh,
0: ahead of the game on this one, I guess. I was already surprised. When you, then you said 20 years, I was like, geez, that guy really saw this coming.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't think I'm exaggerating that. I think 20 years ago, he had a little hand sanitizer thing in his pocket. That must have been first-generation portable hand sanitizer. It wasn't a common thing you could purchase, except for at pharmacies
0: and stuff like that, probably. Yeah, it's like the original version of portable computers where it's actually massive, but you're (laughs) like, wow,
1: at the time, this was great. He had like a Ghostbuster backpack
0: filled with it. See, now, if he did have that, you would have been all over using that. So, I mean, that's a bit of a flaw in the story there.
1: (laughs) So this Back to the Future screening. Yes. Another story around it, which I think is very interesting, is a couple of politicians in town, or I think one person's a former politician, but, you know politician adjacent mm-hmm. both of them just kind of made a nice comment on the internet to go to the Bytown town and go to the mayfair during these times they're both playing great movies and support local so simple thing and then again one of them came to see drive my car and one came to see back to the future it was a real mini viral boom like we gained i think about 25 or 30 new twitter followers and nice got a lot of nice comments on it but what i always love and i preface this with saying i am not political at all (laughs) and i won't even specify these people of what their parties are because i don't want to get any more trouble sure but i just think it's hilarious that these people were just nicely saying support local and innocently commenting on a movie they had seen both different (laughs) both coincidental and both got comments of uh stick to politics what (laughs) and one of them kind of jokingly re-commented back, but I'm always like, if a dentist posts that they like a movie, or like a sports team, or like a certain kind of food, do you say, "Uh, stick to being a dentist, you're not allowed to have an opinion? I just thought it was
0: so funny. It's also weird that those people commenting probably don't like their politics, so why would you want them to stick to politics?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And they weren't, they weren't commenting on a political-type movie or making anything more controversial than saying, go see a movie at an independent theater. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. But that's—I've been guilty the last couple days of going against my number one rule of never read the comments. Right. And I've read a couple comments, and I'm just like, what is wrong with all of you people as humans?
0: Yeah. And they're both you know, and I'm not naming names either, but like both of them are great Twitter follows and super nice people from everything I've seen and know about. So that's even kind of funnier in a not funny way that I'm just like, but they're nice and said a nice thing about us and what? You know?
1: It would be like me as not a sports fan say commenting about the ottawa 67's junior hockey team here in town and just saying something like hey the 67's are back nice to see the community out at a game again support local and then some sports fan being like go back to the cinema nerd
0: yeah stick to movies you're like i i mean can we talk about a movie about hockey like
1: but then you can't win because even trudeau did an event at house of targ oh yeah if i remember correctly was just renting the place as a was it Christmas, the holidays? I forget, but it was just...
0: It was something like that, yeah.
1: Something for his staff and the kids, and they rented the place, and they played video games and ate progies like kind of any group of co-workers might do. And Targ put some pictures online, and of course, people are like oh, uh, shouldn't you be at work, Justin? Oh, sure. Being lazy again, Justin. And I'm like, dude's at his Christmas party.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or like, did my tax dollars pay for that? You know, you're like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, your tax dollars paid for his paycheck. So kind of, I guess, but you know. Mm, all right. They've got us there. They... This
0: fake commenter person. <laughs> yeah,
1: But I just always think it's funny that people go to anger and frustration at stuff like that. They have to realize that since the beginning of time, politicians have holiday parties yeah and have days off
0: yeah it's one of those things i always do try to find a common ground and i'm like if we can't even agree that we all like movies or like snacks or pizza then you know we're truly lost <laughs> well i made the joke too of it was
1: trudeau and might have been seeing the ndp guy mm-hmm. but two of our major politicians in the last election both happened to do a star wars thing where one of them dressed as a jedi for halloween and the other one had chewbacca socks on (laughs) and i have a friend who's super political and i joke with her because i am not i'm just a big pop culture dummy but i sent her this nice little paragraph and and i made her laugh out loud which made me so proud where i'm like well the liberal guy is wearing chewbacca socks but the ndp guy dressed as a jedi i'm so torn i don't know who to vote for (laughs)
0: They're doing all the best stuff. It's like, I mean, did someone have like a Jabba toy? Because that would push it over the edge for me.
1: And you imagine the conservative guy just trying to play along and being like, huh? Huh? Look at my Darth Vader tie.
0: Huh? No, they'd, they'd be like, I love Mr. Spock. You're like, ah, come on. They come would on. totally do
1: that. And then just the, the, <laughs> the nerd crowd at the Comic-Con. Boo. boo. You're
0: killing me here. Like, I can't even believe it. You know, ever since Michael Caine was Jean-Luc Picard, I haven't been able to get <laughs> <Boo>. over this. <laughs> Anyways, I guess we should talk about actual movies that are playing now that we have the list.
1: Yeah, because again, we don't want to talk for an hour because we aren't going to get kicked off because there's only two of us talking on Zoom and we've learned that we could just do a four-hour podcast and Zoom doesn't care.
0: And we do want to do that, but we won't.
1: One day. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, let us chat about the movies coming up February 25th through March 3rd, 2022. I always forget to say that, but I'm like, ah, people will figure it
0: out. Yeah, they get it.
1: So we'll get the retro movie out of the way first because everything else is kind of of a theme. We wrap up our James Bond Fest with Thunderball, another mm, Sean Connery classic. Definitely. And that, that's the one that he more or less remade as Never Say Never Again, right?
0: Yeah, I believe so, yeah.
1: So that's confusing where it's like Sean Connery did a bunch of movies, went away. George Lazenby decided he didn't want to do it anymore. Sean Connery came back for one movie. Roger Moore did a bunch, and then Sean Connery came back for one movie again.
0: And I gotta assume Thunderball is the better of the two versions, but I can't... I don't think I ever saw I never say never again. But I gotta think, like, you know, Thunderball's a classic.
1: A lot of these movies just have the great in-the-moment ad campaign and poster, and they're mm-hmm. very much of a time. We all know some stuff in Bond doesn't hold up. <laughs> They're just great to see on the big screen, and they look Mm. great. These kind of digital restorations look pretty spectacular. So if you're a Bond fan or if you've never seen this one, it's a rare chance to get to see it on the big screen. So then we have four oscar nominated films in one week
0: (laughs) all right let's go
1: so so everybody come to see a lot of movies it would have been three movies but i think we had the opportunity to squeeze one in just for a couple more screenings and it's popular so that would be dune where we have for a couple of screenings and talk about a big screen movie it's Mm -hmm. the new incarnation of dune
0: yeah no that's the way to see it i I guess i say that about anything we screen but for real like being in a room with because the sound is so much of that movie as well and i mean it is such an experience
1: Well, and what I thought too is like everything nowadays, it's long. Everything nowadays Mm -hmm. is two and a half hours. We just got to get used to it. That's the world we live in now. (laughs) But I found there were some moments and I don't know if you can spoil Dune, but there's some moments of kind of like double crossing political intrigue where one of our characters is in danger and it takes its time. But I was really edge of my seat when that sort of stuff happened a few times in the movie, where. Once upon a time, they might have been like, no, get to it. Cut that 10 minutes out. Just have the bad guy show up, have the good guy get hurt, whatever. But there was at least two or three moments in this movie where it really took its time with the tension. And I thought it worked really well, where you're just sitting there kind of talking to yourself going like, oh, no, look out, character, something bad's about to happen.
0: Yeah. And in some ways, there's no good guy or bad guy in a way. There's just so much, depending on your point of view from whatever race or whatever creature you are there's a lot of sort of in between going on as well.
1: Yeah. And I hope, I really hope they stick the landing on this one. I really trust Dennis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. which is so funny. Cause I listened to a podcast today and I can't even do it if I tried, but they pronounced Villeneuve as if he was South American. <laughs> and I was like, Wow, you got that wrong. <laughs>
0: like... and, I mean, you did call him Dennis, and it's Denis, but I was going to let oh, that go. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I did that Michael Caine thing earlier, so I have no leg to stand on, personally. <laughs> We're the worst podcast ever. Yeah, well, this is bad. We didn't even research any of this.
1: <laughs> None of it. But Denis, I'm sorry, Denis. I nailed it. I was really impressed with this, and I can't help but think of It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2, mm-hmm. where very oh, different man. film, but It Chapter 1, I think, is a five-star masterpiece. Oh, classic and it chapter two filled with great grown-up actors that i like mm-hmm. i don't know what happened <laughs> but i would give it i don't like rating movies but i would give it a hesitant
0: two out of five i was gonna say yeah maybe two and a half if i was feeling real nice and that's just from the charm of the cast to be honest with you
1: what happened because it's like I don't know. the exact same crew the same director <laughs> they did it back to back so it's not like they lost momentum mm-hmm. and i watched it chapter two and i just i kept on like you can do it, buddy. You can turn this around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it just drags. I don't know. That's one of the ones I feel totally the same as you. Like the first one was just basically perfect. And the second one, I don't even think it was just expectations. I think it it just wasn't a great movie.
1: Was it because the kids were so good and then the grownups were just mimicking the kids? Like, I don't know. It's possible. Like something was off. Something was weird in that movie. So this movie's a bit different because we're not going to pick up 30 years later. Mm -hmm. But Stranger Things have happened, but I trust that part two will also be a big, epic, Oscar-nominated type of a movie.
0: You had to say Stranger Things because that guy was in it. Jeez.
1: Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's all coming together. I think Dune 2 will be like Godfather 2, I think. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, man, we've already hyped it now. Jeez. Oh, God, I'm sorry. But I agree. I do th- like I mean, he hasn't really didn't even love has not really made a bad film. No. So I don't think that now that he has all the time and money and, you know, whatever he wants to do it. I mean, uh, but I'm also saying what I want to hear. So, you know, we'll find out, I guess.
1: Yeah. Then we have Belfast from Kenneth Branagh, mm, nice. which is 90 minutes long. So there you go. Not hey. all these movies are enormous. So if you
0: give that one the award right now for running time.
1: Yeah, if I'm voting by my favorite shortest film, that will win. Perfect. Corrections department, again, from a couple weeks ago, Uh oh. I said that Kenneth Branagh was an Oscar winner. He's an eight-time nominee. Wow. I thought he won one along the road there somewhere, but he did not.
0: I would have sworn to you absolutely 100%.
1: And not only is he an Oscar nominee, this is pretty cool. He has been nominated eight times in eight different categories.
0: How the hell is that possible?
1: Did he record sound for one of them? (laughs) Let's see if I can remember this, but it's original screenplay and director and picture Mm -hmm. for Belfast, I think. So that's three. Okay. Then somewhere along the line, he got an actor and a supporting actor. That's five. For sure. And then an adapted screenplay for one of the Shakespeare things.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And then he did a short film.
0: Ooh. That's
1: only seven. What am I missing?
0: I didn't know that. I'm trying to think like, did he, he didn't do editing, obviously. That's just, I mean, yeah. that would be incredible, but did he do music? Like somehow? <laughs>
1: Maybe. Yeah. Supporting actor, actor, original script, adapted script, director.
0: Well, I'm producer.
1: Picture, short film. I don't yeah. know. And then, and then he was like, did the score for one, but anyhow, he has, he has the record. I do believe you. And so I'm like, you got to give him an award. Like, he has to win an award this time. Well,
0: that's the thing. Like, I mean, you know they respect the hell out of him because he's made a lot of – well, I don't want to say he's made a lot of Oscar bait because, like, he's making what he wants to make. But what he wants to make is also Oscar bait. So he's one of those guys that, I mean, at least he's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. But I 100% think he's one of those guys where you're like, okay, yeah, we want to give you an Oscar. So here's this.
1: But this year, especially, I find is so loaded. I'm like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what the Vegas odds are of who's going to win. So Belfast, I think, is a favorite because it's original. It's kind of a little bit of a feel good movie. It's black and white, which is cool, has a kid in it, people like that. And it's not like a big epic and it's a real character piece versus something that is a, a giant musical or a giant science fiction epic or a giant film noir. Like it's kind of has a simplicity to it.
0: Well, and it's wild, too, the amount of quality musicals that we did get. So it's like we got a little bit of everything this year.
1: Yeah. So speaking of... Hey! These next two are interesting for two reasons. So I'll say them both in one breath. Nightmare Alley and West Side Story. So a lot of podcasts I listen to and filmmakers I like seem panicked that some big movies like West Side Story and Nightmare Alley flopped at the box office, but nonetheless got a lot of great reviews and a lot of awards recognition. But I always get kind of frustrated with this because you go back and there's always flops that were supposed to be for sure hits. There's always filmmakers who don't make a lot at the box office who are nonetheless widely respected, you know, whether that be Terry Gilliam or Paul Thomas Anderson or Sofia Coppola, like these people don't make big movies. And There's all kinds of examples of a movie that gets a bunch of Oscar nominations that doesn't make money. And the world kind of keeps moving. And it's not the fault of Marvel. It's not the fault of Star Wars. They want to blame these big movies. But I'm like, you know, when Jaws came out, it was a big hit. And I bet you there were some flops that year. And when Star Wars came out, a big hit. And I bet you there were some flops that year. It always happens. So it's interesting that these two movies are giant acclaimed directors but movies that came out and did not make a lot of money, which is often okay for us because we have a small circle of a fan base, so people will come see a movie that they didn't go see elsewhere.
0: Oh, and by the way, I did have to look it up because it was killing me the Kenneth Branagh thing. Oh, yeah. He was up for director twice, so it was seven. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, he was nominated eight times, but it was seven categories.
1: I'm glad you figured it out because it was killing me because I'm like,
0: what the <laughs> hell's the eighth category? Have, I know. would have believed whatever you told me if it was a set dresser or Siam. I was like, he could do it all.
1: Because I bet you he's a music guy. I bet you he can write music. So I thought maybe he did like an original song for one of mm. his Shakespeare
0: movies or something. That's what I figured out. But I'm kind of sad that he didn't actually now. Okay, so eight nominations in
1: seven categories. That makes sense.
0: At least we know now. It would have killed me.
1: So, Nightmare Alley. I love Guillermo del Toro. He gave me a big hug once and said, my friend, which means we're best friends for life. This movie is of interest because it is his first non- what would you say? His first non- fantastical movie? There's no monsters. There's no ghosts. There's no Hellboy.
0: It's a film noir. And we gotta love that. I mean, there's, I mean, there is freakishness to it. Yeah. There's a freak show aspect. So I guess that's, I guess that's as close as we're gonna get a, for that.
1: It looks like a movie that
0: Hellboy could walk through. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Maybe there's a post credits thing with Hellboy. I, I didn't notice.
1: You heard it here first.
0: Yeah, but like the cast is just... I mean, I don't have to tell you or anybody who's seen the cast, but like my God, this this is just an incredible cast he's put together.
1: Yeah, he's one of those filmmakers who just gets to do whatever he wants casting-wise because people will bend over backwards to come and work for him. Mm -hmm. And then West Side Story had a little bit of controversy to it just in the sense that... Again, it's funny where people complain about remakes and reboots and whatever, and people were like, well, this is a hugely famous Broadway show and a hugely famous classic film. Why bother remaking it? I think Spielberg at least won out in the end of just universal wide acclaim and throwing awards and nominations at the movie. And I haven't seen it yet. I will see it when we screen it in the next couple of days, but it's supposed to be great. And it's supposed to be this anomaly that is its own film and yet kind of pays tribute to the past, but doesn't hinder the movie that came before. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to see it on the, on the big screen and, and he passed on doing an Indiana Jones movie to do this. So I find that interesting too. I think even Spielberg was like, only so many hours in the day, I'm going to go do West Side Story.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and it's it's pretty incredible. We could talk about Spielberg for days, but I mean, just to be able to be like, yeah, I could do Indiana Jones or I could do this thing that I put my entire heart in and is the best, I don't know if I want to say best reviewed of since whatever, but just like this feels like a very... Or that feels like a very Spielberg-y style thing. I don't know. It's pretty wild that he's able to do that. I just can't even... I can't imagine directing a movie, let alone being able to come back so much later and be like, oh yeah, here's this. And it's also incredible.
1: Yeah. That's why this year you look at the list and although I haven't seen everything, everything on there is stuff I want to see. Like I want to see Licorice Pizza and I want to see... I will soon see Nightmare Alley and Belfast and West Side Story. Exactly. But I have a feeling there's not one of those movies where... I'm going to be angry and disagree, like whichever one wins. I'm like, yep, that's probably a good movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're lucky to be able to see that many of them. And I think it's amazing to even have, I don't want to say a freak show based film, but, you know, to have a remake in that kind of sort of like genre style be up for best picture and then, you know, let alone all the other cool stuff that's up. Like, it's just such a neat variety this year.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, and before we go, Saturday Night Cinema makes its comeback this Saturday night as well.
0: Oh, so I didn't even want to bring it up, cause just in case it wasn't, but that's amazing.
1: Yeah, so that's the grand return of our secret midnight movie presentation of a grindhouse drive-in movie type classic. As per usual, I don't know what the movie is, but... No. It's always something that is a lot of fun. So that's coming up this Saturday as well. And that's it. That's our movies from February 25th through March 3rd. And we should wrap things up because next thing you know, we're going to ramble for an hour about how cool Gamble del Toro and Steven Spielberg are.
0: Yeah, how good Patrick Stewart was in Jaws 4.
1: (laughs) He was great in Jaws 4.
0: (laughs) He would have been.
1: Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. As per usual, you can find out updates at MayfairTheater.ca and we're on all the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social medias. And we'll be back next week. Fingers crossed. I don't want to jinx it again, but we should be back in person in the cinema doing a podcast. We look forward to having you visit us to watch a whole bunch of Oscar movies. Thanks a lot, everybody. Bye.
0: Bye. Oh, the next podcast is on March 1st, so then when we record that, there'll be a new Cage movie the next month. Exciting. Yeah, it never ends. Dr. No, big, from Russia with love. Bigger, goldfinger, even bigger. Now, here comes the biggest Bond of all. Thunderball. Now, James Bond does it everywhere. Look up, look down, look out. Here comes the biggest Bond of all. Albert R. Broccoli and Harry Salzman present Sean Connery in... Thunderball. Produced by Kevin McClory. Panavision.
1: Technicolor. A United Artists release.
0: Thunderball.